0: I love to sing along to that song. Um, say what you want, the Bieber haters. But that was I'll Show You by Justin Bieber, Corey Young's walk-up song. Props to you, man. Bieber Fever.
1: One of the only non-rap songs.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, oh man, I wish I could sing like I'll show you. But, anyways, as always, your favorite show. Warning track, back on the track. Here, giving you your latest Spartan baseball. Not too busy of a week. Had the Indiana Series, had a quick Game against Toledo today. Um, unfortunately, I was not at that one. I was watching the Michigan State softball team hit a walk off. So I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm I'm the key here. But walk off when I call the baseball game and walk off when I call the softball game? I don't know. I don't know, man. A special guy? Yeah. But as always, rapid fire questions and maybe question mark a special guest. I don't know. Keep you guessing. But we're gonna get right into it. We're gonna move into game one here. Cam view pitched for the Michigan State Spartans, as he always does on Friday. It was a pitching duel. Um, This Indiana team we knew coming in was going to pitch, and they were going to pitch well. Um, His counterpart was a guy by the name of Kyle Hart, who achieved his eighth win on the season. So he went seven strong. Cam went seven strong. It was cold out. This was a good old-fashioned tundra pitching battle um, on that Friday game.
1: Right, and, you know, Cam had a great start a start that a lot of pitchers are going to be very happy with. But Cam was not happy. You know, he we talked to him after the game, and he was just not happy with his performance. He thought that this was one of his worst outings of the season. And, you know, this guy, he's a star. He strives for perfection. So, you know, when he doesn't get a shutout like he has done so much this year, then, um, you know, it's not a great outing. And then, as you mentioned, Kyle Hart, you know, they both had a strong pitching duel.
0: Yeah, it's uh, – it was y- – you know, on the offensive side, it wasn't bad by any means. And actually, um, we'll, we'll stick to Cam actually for a second here. But Cam was, he was kind of all over the place in that sixth inning when he let up three runs. That was all he let up, three runs um, on a few hits. And it didn't seem like it was Cam in that sixth inning. Hit by pitch, walk, out of a single. Got a guy out, then a sack fly. So is, you know, another single after that. And then to me, I actually was in the stands this time trying to get a different perspective here. Um, his stuff seemed to not be breaking as well. Um, it didn't have the movement. It was left over the plate, which is a recipe um, to let those singles happen and to pop one up deep for a sack fly and uh, just command issues as well. Like I mentioned, there's a walk and a hit by pitch. Um, and you, like you said, you he is a professional. He wants perfection. Uh, what else do you make of that? Of that one singular bad inning?
1: Yeah, he he lost his command there in the sixth inning, and it really threw him off when he hit that batter. Um, you know, right to open the inning, and he gave up another walk, um, and then a huge, you know, RBI single, and um, he he lost his command, but throughout the beginning of his start, he was he was just as strong as he always been. You know, until that inning, would you he, say
0: effective? Like effective with his pitches, not jumpy or anything.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, his command was strong. He didn't have his A plus stuff, um, but you know, he's still the Cam view that we know, um. And until that sixth inning, he hadn't allowed a guy to get on base until two outs, wow. um, which which in the sixth inning was really rough. And then he came out in the seventh and got a one, two, three. 2 3 So it was really just the sixth inning that really threw him off. Uh, and it, it came out to hurt the team because, you know, two runs, three runs, I'm sorry, in a tight game, um, you know, that that's what did it. That inning is what gave Indiana the win.
0: Now Hart was just as efficient on the other side, six hits, two walks, um, only a pair of strikeouts, which is good for Michigan State to face a guy like this and keep the ball in play. But Michigan State was fairly efficient, but this is also misleading. So only four left on base, which I don't think tells the the, the full story. Double plays and bad base running. Two things Michigan State really hasn't done all season, um, but that's the reason that there's left, less guys left on base. It shows how efficient Hart was. Um, I mean, to scrape two against a guy like this is always a good thing, but you can't you know you can't be doing base running mistakes. I know Taylor Grace got caught stealing, and there was a few rundowns in the game as well, and double plays, um, never a good thing. You know, when when you're trying to get a hold of a guy like this, it's rare to get a guy on base in general, and just to ruin like that, so it, it is kind of a misleading there. Um, they did have some small ball working. They bunted a guy. They bunted with the three hitter once again. And I should make the, the hashtag just Michigan just Michigan State things. bunning with the three hitter, bunning with the cleanup hitter. Uh, they've been known to do that. Um. So that that was kind of interesting. So they did get the small ball going against this guy, but still, when you have those guys on, you gotta take advantage.
1: Right? You know the, the missed opportunities. It's is what's really been a killer. And you you said it. Base running. They've been a strong base running team. That's with the exception of you know stealing. You know they they get caught a lot on the base pass. I think one third of the time mm. uh, they get caught. That's terrible. And you know you said it. buyers got caught stealing. But they're they're a smart base running team, and it's interesting because this team is very young. They don't have much, the you know the youth and the inexperience is what's causing you know the stone, the you know the guys getting caught stealing. But they're a smart base running team, so it was it was an off, you know it, it just it didn't look the Spartans didn't really look like they it, were on top of their game.
0: Yeah, it wasn't them, and they had some really hard hit balls. And Boss would uh, go on to mention that in practice, and go on to mention it on Saturday as well that when they dropped nine eventually, so gave that away, but. Um, they they did have hard-hit balls, and they had good chances. They just didn't have anything to show for it, and it was a tough pitcher, and he got out of it. But moving into game two, completely different. 9-0, shutout uh, route with the offense. Um, just unbelievable. And um, I'll mention kind of one of the first things I noticed when I walked into that press con uh, press booth was another different lineup. And uh, Michael was able to get a quote from uh, manager Jake Boss later that will talk about the reasoning why uh, they're doing these different lineups. But we've seen Jordan Zimmerman bat one through three. We've seen Hughes all over the place. He's kind of established at that one hitter now that Bikina used to have. But now you're seeing Bikina in the one, four, six spots even, you know, dropping all the way down there. So you're seeing those three big guys kind of flopping around, but you've seen Byers move up in the batting order. He used to be the eighth. Now he's kind of seven, six. You've seen Chris Simonton really establish himself in that fifth role who has gone from not having a place to play to the seventh, to the eighth hitter, to the seventh hitter, all the way up to the fifth hitter now. Um, so you are seeing a lot of different guys batting elsewhere, um, and we'll kind of talk about the mojo with that after. We'll play that in the quote. So that was kind of one of my biggest takeaways. Um, game-wise, MSU never seemed rattled by yet another good Indiana pitcher. Uh, this, was, this was a key game. This was a game um, coming in, two teams with the two top ERAs in Michigan State, tied for third place in the Big Ten. And you got another pitcher's duel. Ethan Landon taking it for Michigan State in Indiana. Um, And Michigan State, like I said, never did seem rattled. They were making hard contact throughout the game. There were so many balls that were just hooked foul that could have gone yard from guys you wouldn't expect. Like guys like Corey Young were almost going yard. And Chris Symington, You know, guys were cranking them, but they were just going foul. But that was good. It was showing they were making good contact against a really good pitcher And really, it was only a matter of time before that big inning was was coming.
1: Right, and this team is not known for their power this year. You know, they were a huge uh, power-hitting team Mm -hmm. last year, and they were able to just sit back and wait for the big three-run home run to come, you know, at some point in the game. But they don't have that power this year, and they really haven't shown, with the exception of the big explosive games, they haven't shown much, um, you know, contact where they just, you know, getting a lot of really good hits. Uh, like you just mentioned, but a lot of different guys, every guy in the lineup got a hit um with the exception of taylor grace and um they're they 're not known for their power, but it was i wasn't there at the game um but you know you said that yeah. they were getting really good hits on it, and um you know it seems like lately the lineup has been doing a really good job of getting good contact on the ball, and you know even if um there 's not much to show for it in a game where they don 't score too many runs they're still the lineup is doing a good job of you know, getting strong hits, even if they're hitting them, you know, right to uh, even if they're hitting them in foul yeah. territory or, or right, right to the, that. right to the defenders, yeah. you know, they're getting good hits. And uh you, throughout the course of a game, if you just keep that up, it's going to happen. You're going to get hits in the gaps.
0: It's you know, gonna- and, and for Michigan State fans, this could be a game of confidence because Jake boss did go out and say um, he felt this nine run, this nine spot really showed what this team can do. You know, He's like, you know, we've been hitting it well all year, and we've been making solid contact. Sometimes he just hit it right at someone. That's the name of the game. Um, so he he was able, you know, he was able to instill that confidence in his guys. Like, I'm glad we got that nine spot. This is what we can do. This is what we're capable of. So, that was one thing. But it didn't end there. He stuck to this team's nature and that's small ball. Um, I wrote about this in my uh in my uh, recap. I like to get a little analytical on you. But uh, second and third inning, the team was able to accomplish some small ball like they have all year. Um, and I'll kind of just read it through you. But once again, it was, you know, Grace walks. You know, Simonton hits one. Uh, singles singles through. Bobbles the ball. Grace makes a heads-up play and dies for third base on a throw that easily could have been gone from left field. But he saw the left fielder muffed it. So it's heads-up base running. Yeah, it wasn't working on Friday, but it was working on Saturday. Something you mentioned that they do all year, and that's how they make their living. Um... Then you do a safety squeeze. You know, for those of you that don't know that is at home, It's you drop down the bunt with the guy in third. He goes about quarter way, halfway, sees whether he can make it or not, and then he decides. And Bikina Bikina dropped down a perfect bunt, and Grace was able to score. You know, and otherwise, if he, that, you know, Hovis grounded out before that. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Horvus grounded out after that. That easily could have been a double play. Uh, Sorry, that was in the next inning. I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's little things like that, getting those bunts. So it's like. They stayed true to their nature, and I encourage you to go read what I wrote. Um, but it, it small ball was still there. No one can predict that a, a seven-run, six-inning is coming. So that was kind of my takeaway from that. Do you anything you want to add on small baseball or just the big inning in general?
1: Yeah, I mean. Coach Boss, I talked to him uh, on Tuesday before practice, and he told me that your offense is really going to have two identities. You know, it's going to have the small ball identity where you string together hits and, you know, build on specific situations like you just said. Or it can be the power hitting like they had last year. but the coach does a really great job of running the offense and knowing when he needs to leave it alone and let the hot bats do its thing or when he needs to get things moving and make calls. Like you said, the squeeze, you know, that's a good coaching move right there. Obviously, well executed by Bikina to put down the bunt. But, you know, Zim is Zimmerman is the only guy that's shown significant power. So that's not the identity of this team. You know, it's the small ball.
0: That's, you know, no, that's, that's a really the identity of the team. I'm, I'm glad he said that. It's interesting that he said it, you have two identities. I've never even thought of that. I was always like, you got to be one thing, but I guess, I guess you can have two. And I just want to apologize. Um, I was right. It was Hovis who grounded out and got Grace home, so it wasn't the squeeze button yet. Um, But that's a double play. So if Grace doesn't go to third on that heads-up base running, that's a double play. It was right at the shortstop, as I, as I recall. It was the next inning. When uh, Bikina was able to pull the squeeze bunt with uh, Brandon Hughes, a speedster on the base, um, a little more speed than Grace. But that's awesome. That's two great instances. Like you said, sometimes you got to play the situational, sometimes you got a smart coach. That third baseball coach, you know, that's underrated. Saying, Grace, let's go, you know, get on your horse. That's, And then, you know, for Boss to say, hey, let's drop the squeeze bunt, that's really underrated. And I'm gra- glad you brought that up. Um, you know, from then on out, really the big inning was. Um, all started with a Dan Dirk at home run. It's gonna be really good getting that left-handed bat and the three-hole going. Uh, Byers RBI, Hovis RBI, Hughes RBI walk, Zimmerman RBI, Bakina double RBI. So it was, you know, Marty as Marty always likes to tell us, um, hitting is contagious, but so is not hitting. And when this team is on, we've seen this all year. We always talked about the big inning. We talked about it down in Florida when we were unable to watch the team. We'd we'd look at the box score be like, holy smokes, a seven-run fourth or whatever. That was today this team is it's it's a virus going around hitting and they love it it's a good sickness to have um and so on any given day this team can compete with the best and it's just a dragon will transition to Sunday that you cool off the next day and once again not a not an easy task facing these Indiana pitchers anytime um and I guess you you know boss wasn't too displeased with the loss you were telling me later or off era that is um that they were able hey you know what we got things going late. Um, but if you want to start with just kind of your takeaways from game three, as we move into that, the Spartans did end up losing eight to four misleading that went to 11 innings way closer than the scoreboard says.
1: Right. Well, um, you know, the bats, they, they started out, you know, pretty hot by getting a run in, uh, the first two innings, they could have done more, but, you know, missed opportunities. Um, you know, they left, uh, they left a couple guys on base in each of the innings, but, um the bats just died out for inning after inning uh, all the way until the ninth uh, when they finally, you know, came back to tie the game and it sent the game in extra innings. Um, But, you know, the inconsistency is just what's a killer. You said, you know, they're not going to be able to run with the best teams in the country if they're not able to be put up even some consistency. You know, on innings like that where you just get hit after hit, you know, it helps – by, you know, throwing off the pitcher where he can't even get a rest. And so that, you know, that sets your team up in a position to um, not only win the game on the scoreboard, you know, by having so many runs, but um, also you're just taking over the game. And then there are games like this on Sunday where, you know, nothing happens. And, you know, it was a great pitching duel on each side. Mockby started off, um, and he was he was right at the length that was anticipated for him. Yeah, he, we
0: we talked about it was like 75 pitches they were looking to give him. He went 76.
1: Right, he yeah. he made the move uh from the bullpen to the Sunday starter role and Borkovich was taken out. We'll talk about we'll talk more about that, but Yeah,
0: rapid fire. Uh, we'll hit you with that, so.
1: But Mockby um you know, he he did a good job in his first start of the
0: season. Um Well, I save this because there's a quote he says, "Honestly, I wasn't happy with the way I threw today and that'll fuel me this week to get ready for next time." Which I'm curious, and I'll, ask, I'll, I'll play on that quote and rapid fire questions because we will talk about Mockby um, and taking that starting role over Walter Borkovich. You know, we always like to push our writing. Check out Michael's article on that. Um, he broke that, that Walter Borkovich would no longer be the Sunday starter and Joe Mockby would. And so like he mentioned, coach said he threw 70 in a long bullpen uh, relief situation. Um, so 76 was right around where they want him to get him so they can increase that pitch count and get that arm stronger. Went four and two thirds, five hits, two runs. So to me, I—that's not a bad line. Of course, you'd like to go longer, but that wasn't the game plan. So I—I'll ask you in rapid fire why he was unhappy. Now Borkovich, um, good outing. He had two good outings. He went earlier. He came in to, for release on Friday for Cam View weekend totals: three innings pitched, two hits, zero earned, two walks, five Ks, fifty-three pitches. That's great. That's a guy that is fighting. He's like, well, sh- shoot. I almost sweared on air. Holy cow. But uh, shoot, I lost my role. I got to earn this back. So that's good he came in and owned up the uh, bullpen role and did well with it. So we, like we said, we'll we'll bring up Mockby and Rapid Fire questions coming up soon. Um, Dakota Mekas, that guy's still on the team. Holy cow.
1: Unbelievable. He struck out the first nine outs. The first all The first nine of his outs were all strikeouts. It's like... Dude, this guy's just a machine, you know. He came into the weekend leading the country in a K, uh, you know, strikeouts per if nine innings. If he qualifies, yeah. right? If, if he if, if he, he would have qualified, but yeah. um, you know, and you know, if Machbey doesn't go deep in the game, then it's all right because the first two games of the series, each pitcher went deep, at least seven innings. So the bullpen was rested, and you had the flexibility to you know have a a big game with your bullpen where you know five pitchers had to go. Uh, after Machbey went four and two thirds. Mekas was just unbelievable. You know, he's, he's really, a, the, we said, the first arm out of the pen. Uh, he threw a lot of pitches. And it was, it was his second straight outing where he threw a lot. Um, 91 in this one and 81 in his, uh, you know, outing before this. Um,
0: so, you know, he's getting a lot of strikeouts. But, I mean, well, unbelievable. I'm always, I'm always Mr. Negative on the show, right? I'm the rainy cloud when the team's doing well. That bugs me that he went only three and two-thirds and had 91 pitches. Now, naturally, as a strikeout guy, you're going to throw out more because, you know, it takes three strikes to get the guy out instead of, you know, two pitches a pitch to get the ground ball. So, naturally, that's going to happen. But, dude, you you can't do that. That's way too many pitches. Right. You know, if they need you to go deep in the game because Mockby is on a a pitch count, you know, you can't be throwing 91 through three and two-thirds. And my other bone to pick with him – (laughs) <laughs> like I have a bone to pick at Dakota Mekis, but you know my other issue, I guess, would be the fact he's he's all or nothing. He strike out or hit, and so he did allow a run. And I I don't know. That's why I actually want to ask the the secret guest about this. But it's like, how can you be such swing and miss guy, but then allow so much contact? And when it is being made contact, it's good contact for hits. So that was that was weird with Dakota Mekis. And now I, I guess we'll just finish out the series. Why did this team blow it? What? So you know they, they had a big eleventh inning for Indiana to get them a four. Well, actually, it was ping pong for a second there. Indiana scored in the tenth. Michigan State scored in the tenth, and then Indiana blew up in the eleventh. What what happened out there? Why? What went wrong? Can you analyze that for us?
1: Right. Indiana had the opportunity to close out the game in the bot in the bottom of the ninth and tenth innings. They were up by one run and they gave it up. But you know, on the top of eleventh, when they came up to bat, they were just they were sick of it. They wanted to take the game um, and. You know, they actually got the first out. You know, um, the first batter was a fly out to center, so there was one out. But then things just started to fall apart. Uh, It was a – Keegan Barr was on the mound there in the 11th, and a long at-bat. He almost got another strikeout, but uh, allowed a walk. um, And, you know, then errors. You know, the defense – I want to praise the defense in just a second, uh, but the defense was a problem in this inning. Uh, Dan Durkin got an error there, so there were two men on base – um, and then you know Sowers, Indiana's you know big hitter got a huge uh, two-run double to left field, and and that really sealed it. So would
0: you just say it was not Spartans giving up, but they kind of exhausted all they had.
1: Almost. They they didn't have they they. Couldn't have able to come back after that. Um, but, but, like,
0: the pitching, it just what it just wasn't doing its thing anymore. Yeah, yeah.
1: keegan Bar lost his composure. Um, yeah. You know, he, he had it. He almost got that strikeout. I believe it was a really close call, you know, one of those calls where the crowd, you know, gets upset because it could have been a strike. Um, something and, that can change
0: an inning. Right. You know, something that you thought would have ended the inning all of a sudden turns into a second chance.
1: Right. He gave up those runs and then uh, – Gonzalez came in, and there was another error. So that's two errors. This one was on shortstop Corey Young, uh, and that allowed the inning to just keep going. Uh, and then, you know, later, uh, AJ Krupa, in Indiana outfield, got another two-run double, and you know that put Indiana up four. Uh, there was no way they were going to do anything. The Spartans were able to do anything there uh, in the bottom of the eleventh to come back. But it's it's frustrating, and I, I want to praise defense. Yeah, because I'm glad you are. Because they have done such a good job. I, Marty Bikina frustrated me at the beginning of the season. He had five errors. Oh, you
0: can't blame the guy. He was being thrown in 100 different positions. Right. And,
1: <laughs> and of course, you know he's a freshman. He just started out. Uh, he had five errors in his first five games and nine at the end of March. Uh, so a lot of errors. And then just a ton of errors on the team. But since they've come into April... They've started to play at home. They're, the team is fixing a lot of different things, and they're really molding into this midseason form that we've talked about. And they really got rid of the defensive errors. Um, well, and including add, this weekend, yeah. you know, the two in this inning, you know, that gave them 10 on the month. Before this month, they had 31. So it was a huge, huge problem. It was um, – It was. they were losing games because of the defense. But, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, a lot of different uh, changes. You know, Marty Bikina was moving around um, – and so, you know, these guys with so much athleticism, they can just play all over the field. But like they they've found their positions on the field. Good. You know, everyone it seems like, you know, there are a lot of batting order switches, but everyone is playing the same positions in the field. You know, yeah. you got your infield, you got your outfield. Um, so they're really they've really done a great job of fixing that. Well, I give them applause. I'm glad
0: that. you gave him love for that. And I, I totally whiffed on this. Uh Saturdays the reason the shutout was intact was defense. Uh double plays got him out of the out of jams and uh, I'll talk about Landon and rapid-fire questions. But uh, that's the reason there was a shutout was because of great defense. So I didn't realize of such a dramatic, dramatic change um, in errors from month to month. But that's good because, like I said, that's the reason there was a shutout and not one or two runs on that board on Saturday. So good for the defense. Uh, before we go into our secret guest, I'm going to say – or not say. I, I'm i not saying. Uh, Michael's going to play a quote for us. I uh, just want to preview. We already kind of mentioned it before. Yeah, well, the
1: banning order – has gone through some frequent changes in the past couple of weeks, and a lot of different guys are going into different spots, and uh, there's a reason behind it. Coach Boss has an answer. Take a listen.
0: You know, we kind of hit a lull, and we're just trying to, to, you know, create a spark somehow, you know, put some guys into different spots. You know, maybe it creates a, a newness or a freshness to them that kind of shakes some things up a little bit and, you know, helps kickstart the offense a little bit. Uh, you know, again, just trying to put ourselves, put our guys in a position that... Uh, you know, maybe a different change of scenery is, is good for him at some point.
1: Again, that was head coach Jake Boss Jr. talking about the recent batting order changes. And I'm a big proponent of this. I think that it really helps out a guy when he's struggling and he moves to a different spot in the lineup. I think that the guys batting around him can really make a huge impact on a guy's performance. And, you know, you can even ask the Tigers about this. You know, if you go back a couple of years with Tory Hunter... Uh, batting right in front of Miguel Cabrera, he had a three hundred batting average and just saw so many really good pitches just by hitting in front of the best hitter on the planet. So, you know, obviously the Spartans are not on the same level as Miguel Cabrera and the D- Detroit Tigers, but at the same time, it's the same principle. It's the same concept. You know, a guy is going to see different pitches depending on what batter is ahead and behind him. And, you know, obviously that varies to a guy's strengths. So, you know, batting order changes can really help out guys who are struggling. Uh, you got to be careful with it because it can also impact guys who are uh, on a hot streak hitting. But, you know, the Spartans really don't have that. Uh, A lot of guys are not slumping but just not killing it right now. So batting order changes... You know, I definitely expect them to keep that up going forward until they figure out a solid um batting order where everyone's comfortable. Um, but that with that, we'll turn the
0: rapid fire questions. So Michael, I'll start with you. You wrote about Mockby taking over Borkovich. This was news to me. You texted me, I was freaking out, and I was like, No way. Uh it's been kind of struggling lately. Um But why was this, why did this happen, and how did it play out?
1: You know, Borkovic was the main guy out of the pen last year. And, you know, he had a hot start to this year in his first three starts, but after that, he just didn't look the same. He didn't have that sharp edge to his, you know, breaking ball stuff. He didn't have the speed on his fastball. It just wasn't the same when he was starting. And I talked to Skyler Meese, the pitching coach, and he told me, you know, Borkovic is just better out of the pen. He's just a better pitcher out there. It helps the team, and his stuff is just so much better when he's you know, doesn't have to prepare for a long starting role. You know, he just comes out and he's ready to go. You know, he's just that type of guy. Uh you know, guys have that identity. So Makby came in uh on Sunday and we talked about his performance, but he was solid and he's expected to get better going forward, Mokby is. But Borkovic has really found his identity in the bullpen. This is where, you know, he is going to thrive and he's gonna make the team so much better. Um and so I want to talk to you about this big Indiana series. You know, losing two or three, uh, how does this hurt this team?
0: I think it hurts a lot. I think this is a team we are waiting to figure out who they were, to waiting to see how good they can be. And you got to take those home series. You know, you got to take two out of one. You got to get the you got to get the sweeps. You know, what do they say? Ideally, you sweep at home and take two of one on the road. in a perfect world, of course. But come on, losing one of two there in very close fought battles both days um that hurts you know in a team Michigan State no longer at the top of the Big Ten standings as well um I get it there's a lot of series coming up but Indiana's not the best team you're going to play maybe the best pitching staff Michigan this weekend Maryland Nebraska some really good teams and on the road as well some of those series so taking at least two of three was so monumental to get those big Big Ten wins out of the way and you know, I just can't express enough how, you know, this was not a good series to lose to a really talented team, and it would have proven Michigan State better at the big stage. And it once again going forward, how do you adapt? How do you adjust? How do you win those next big games and learn from it? Now, we've seen flip flop, Roy Ando, Corey Young, two names you should know by now. They're both the shortstops. Is there a position battle? It looks like there is. Uh, Ando
1: started, you know, the first 30 or so games of the season and he was never really a threat at the plate, but, you know, he's a great shortstop. He's a great fielder, and that's the same with Corey Young. Uh, Ando's been really struggling lately, so Young has came in, but he hasn't been that that much better either. They're both really struggling at the plate, Um, but there's such assets there on the defense. We gave praise to the defense, and um, so both of those guys are going to look to play in a platoon role. I talked to coach about this and you know he's gonna play both of them they've each seen starts in the past two weeks they're flip-flopping and it looks like w- whichever guy catches fire on offense looks like he's gonna take away with the role uh they're both really struggling at the plate they're both damn automatic outs Royce Ondo has only gotten one hit in the month of April oof. I mean that's just unbelievable and Corey Young's got an average down there all the way at 160 oof. Uh, Double so oof. it's just really <laughs> tough um But, you know, these guys are assets on the defensive end, so they're both really going to switch in there. And whoever, again, whoever catches fire on offense is going to take the role. Um, But I want to ask you for our last rapid-fire question. uh, Ethan Landon pitched on Saturday, and he is just continuing to awe the Spartan fans.
0: Oh, absolutely. And um, I just – I'd love to – not really a question. I just want to shout him out. I mean, the kid is incredible. Um he got in high pressure situations, guys on base, guys in scoring position, bases loaded even with one out, and was able to pitch out of them, was able to keep calm. You talk to him after a game, he's just kind of a cool guy to begin with. So it's, I guess that just is showcased on the field. So really props to him. Um, it was looking like it was going to be a typical land and start, you know, six innings. He's really hasn't exceeded that. Six and two thirds is his max. Six innings has kind of been his spot this year. Um, but he was able to go seven and two thirds. He had ninety-seven pitches through six, um, so it was looking like it was going to be an Ethan Landon day. Um, Coach Fiddle is good to go, and it was a good choice. He went three up, three down in the seventh, and was able to go in the eighth and get two more outs uh, to lead his team to victory. So you know, my only complaint, I guess, with him was getting the guy, the leadoff guy, on. There was three consecutive innings he got the leadoff guy on, which is never a good thing. But the dude is pitching tremendously. He's pitching consistently. Um, he's getting outs. He's becoming one of, you know, one of the best starters on this team. Of course, you know, was never going to sp- surpass Cam view. But to have Landon there, and you, you were saying earlier, he might not even, they didn't even know where to put him. and he, But he said, you know, he told me after the game, he was, during that offseason, he was able to prep his body, prep his off speed. He's like, what do I got to do to be a starter? And that's all he did off season. And he said the year off really helped him. And it helped him, you know, associate with East Lansing and associate with the team. And get to know the pitching pitching uh, pitching staff, and so he says he owes a lot of his credit to pitching coach Skyler Mead. I was glad you were able to sit down with him. Um, yeah, so shouts out to Ethan Landon, really great starter, uh, lifelong Spartan fan as well. So that always means a lot. Um, that was rapid fire questions. Moving into that, um, we're gonna skip the Toledo game, but be sure to check out Michael's recap because we are pinched on time. Um, and anything noteworthy that we will talk about next week. But like I said, more articles pushing. This is the third article we're pushing this uh this show. But read uh Michael's recap to figure out, or sorry, Kyle Turk's recap. Michael was actually filming for focal point, so uh hats off to him for working on all aspects of the ball. Kyle Turk did they uh did the recap today, so shouts out to him. Give that a read. Anyways, Michigan. Oof, Michigan. Now, Michigan State, last time Michigan came for a non non-conference game, it was 11 5 Incredible game. Michigan State's bats went berserk, just like they did against Friday and against Indiana. So clearly this Michigan State team can uh, hit good pitching. And they can also not hit, they can not hit bad pitching. Uh, if you look in the article I posted, um, I do kind of a graph, not a graph, but a chart that shows all the different ERAs of teams they've scored six or more runs, Michigan one of them, Indiana one of them, and there's no correlation. You're seeing ERAs all over the place. So I wouldn't be too intimidated with Michigan's pitching staff, but at the same time, 352 as a team, two really good starters. Ryan Nuttov and Evan Hill, both those guys will take the mound. And honestly, Brett Adcock, Oliver Jasky, uh, two other guys, all consistent. That's four guys that can go for them, three one ERA and below. Um, I'm no one to pray, praise the Wolverines, but this is a good pitching staff. Um, they hold um, opponents to a 220 batting average. That's incredible on its own. So Michigan Michigan State is going to be in for it. The Spartans are going to have to get those bats going. Small ball, big ball, whatever it's going to be. Figure it out so you can solve this Michigan pitching staff. You were once before, but that was a midweek starter. You're seeing the weekend starters now. Offense is just fine too. Hits 307 as a team. One of those few offenses like Michigan State that hit over 300. Uh, they have three guys over 360, and they have some run scores. That'd be Cody Bruder and Harrison Wenson. Look for those guys' names in the lineup card. 35 and 39 RBIs, respectively. Slugging. It's 464 for Bruder and 561 for Wenson. Good team. Doesn't strike out a whole lot either. They got a few guys in there that will. Um, so it's a good lineup as well. Not a lot of power like Michigan State. So you might see some you might see some small balls with them as well. But this is going to be a really good series. 28 and 10, like Michigan State. I believe they moved to 28 and 10 today with the win over Toledo. So. This is it. This is battle for Big 10. This is battle for positioning in that tournament. This is battle for the the state, man. Yeah, this uh, is Yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah, this is huge right now. It's it, this could be the biggest series of the year for the Spartans. Uh Michigan is right now as we're making this podcast Wednesday night, Michigan is at number 2 in the Big 10. MSU is number 3. So this is a huge, huge series. They're gonna start out by Friday playing in Ann Arbor. It's a Friday night game. Ann Arbor's gonna go crazy for this one. It's gonna to be tough for MSU to play in that environment. And then they travel back to East Lansing, and the Saturday afternoon game is gonna be here. And again, just like Friday night's gonna be electric there in Ann Arbor, it's gonna be electric here in East Lansing. Hmm. Dude, everyone loves play, uh, everyone games. loves the in-state rivalry. Uh, and then you know they'll travel travel back to Sunday for the series close, but. You know, this is just a massive, massive uh, series for, like you said, so conference positioning. Levels. Just so many levels. Confidence. This is This is going to yeah. make or break MSU's chance to really make a run. We, we, we're we not sure if they're going to do it or not. Can they really match up to the elite teams? This is going to make it. This is a huge, huge series for the Spartans, so stay tuned.
0: And Michigan's only lost twice at home, so taking one of those would be key and winning at home for a 2-1 series. Of course, you want the sweep, but that's what I'm saying. So look forward to that. That's going to be great, and like I, like we both said, it's going to test the team. Now, we're going to be mean. <laughs> we're going to hide the, the special mystery guest from the actual show, but you'll have to tune in separately. There's some really good stuff. He gave us some great insight, and uh, hint, he is a former baseball player, so he was able to give us some really neat stuff and really sweet takes and had actually some really good things to say about the Michigan State baseball team that uh, – in my opinion, would get fans excited, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. Yeah, so you tune into that. That'll be a separate thing. So there might be just some weird, awkward cut out of it, but that's where our secret guest is going. Tune into that. As always, I'm Zach Barnes alongside Michael Epps. This is Warning Track. You are at home listening. Thanks for listening. Have a great morning, evening, afternoon. Peace.